0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Central banks the world over are busy lifting interest rates and at the same time engaging in quantitative tightening. In other words, all those bonds they bought up, they're selling them back to the open market or at least not buying any new bonds when they reach maturation. That means the size of the central bank's balance sheets will start to fall. Today, will that have any impact whatsoever on the economy? Well, it sort of depends on the kind of bonds you're talking about. That's today on the Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Now, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, and this applies the uh, Federal Reserve, of course, being the, the central bank in the United States, but this applies to many other central banks around the world. The balance sheet, which is the, the total assets they hold, particularly government bonds. So they, these are bonds that have been issued to cover government debt. That has risen in the United States with the, uh, with the Federal Reserve from just an under $0.9 trillion in 2008 to not far short of $9 trillion today. Now that is more than one third of the total size of the US economy. But now, as they push up interest rates, central banks want to reduce this balance sheet. But uh, Steve, this is a if they do that this is a triple whammy for the economy, isn't it? Because, first of all, they're, they're putting up interest rates, which is going to slow investment. So that's obviously not good for the economy, but that's what they want to do. Secondly, if they're unwinding the balance sheet, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, that's going to reduce the, uh, the amount of money in, in circulation because basically things that they've bought, they're pushing back into the, uh, in, into the open market, which is going to use money that's already out there and thirdly i mean those high interest rates are going to reduce lending from commercial banks which is another way that money is uh, is pushed into circulation so it's going to constrain that amount of money uh, being created as well so you do all of those three things what impact is that going to have on the uh, the economy because you are significantly reducing the supply of money and pushing up the cost of money at the same time well the,
1: this is where you've got to be very careful about your accounting and and also when you're looking at the recipients of money, what can they do with that money? Because uh, everybody has this automatic belief that the central bank can print as much money as it likes. Yes, but the question is into whose bank accounts can it put that money? And mm-hmm. the answer is only institutions which have an account at the central bank. And the answer to that is predominantly the, the, the banking the, the, the banking sector, the actual banks rather than the non, non-financial uh, banking sector. Uh, but there is an exception, and that is when they buy uh, financial assets of non uh, off, of non-bank financial institutions. Yeah. And I'm not I don't know the which experience. they have been doing as well of yeah, course. Yeah, that's, that's he, right. Yeah, that's that's hmm. that's the major factor. So if they're buying if if they're buying stuff off the banks, uh, then what you've got is uh, they they're putting money into the reserve accounts of the of the private banks at the central bank and then that money is turning up because um, well, when they're bu- when they're doing the buying of QE, uh, so they, they, put additional money into the reserve accounts of the, um, of the, cent- of the private banks at the central bank, which is like, you, know, you mm. know, the deposit accounts you and I, ordinary people have at private banks. And on the other side of their ledger, they record they've got the additional bonds that have been purchased with those. So there's a increase in the, in the amount of reserves in circulation, uh, and an increase in the
0: assets held by the central bank. But when you come do when, but it when, is impacting money supply, though. No, no, same, no it's, uh, this one is not. Okay, right. Okay. No, then, but I mean, but I mean, but I'm saying wh- whatever they've done, however they've done, I'll allow you to continue in just a second. <laughs> but the but the amount the supply of money in the UK economy, okay, not to the same degree because I talked about uh, mm-hmm. the the balance sheet going from 0.9 trillion to to nine trillion, which is just astronomical in the mm. uh, a little over uh, well since 2008. Mm. But since February 2020, the money supply in the United States has gone from 15.5 trillion to 21.8 trillion. So, so something is creating extra... Yeah, but that, that's, uh, not, that's
1: not the central bank. No. Okay. okay. So this, this is why one reason. If anybody wants to talk about what happens with money in future, I'm almost going to demand that they download a copy of my Minsky software and, and lay out the logic <laughs> that they think is happening in a set of tables. And I think there's, there's a certain radio uh, broadcast that I think I've advised that to a couple of times. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On,
0: the, who also plays devil's advocate, by the way, in these podcasts. He so does, yeah. He?
1: yeah. Yeah, well... Okay,
0: <laughs> Tell the devil just to, to bring every let, 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 <laughs> let God take over the keyboard
1: and and, down, and download a copy of Minsky and check this out because we, let, let's just re- back. We've got to go back and look at the central banks doing QE first of all, and yeah. what they that what happens in, in their accounts is that they they put additional money into reserve accounts of the. Uh, of the private banks and they, and they have additional bonds which turn up on their books. That's where they, it's rise from, you know, 0.9 to 9 trillion worth of bonds you mentioned earlier. That's where that comes from. Uh, now when you look at what it actually happens on the private bank accounts, the accounts of the private banks at this stage, uh, the, the, and I just want to take one little general rule out of the example I've just given about what happens at the reserve at the, at the central bank. The central bank has increased its liabilities by increasing its reserves by writing up its book, putting it, entering you know not effectively the number eight trillion over time, eight trillion into the uh, reserve accounts of the private banks, and therefore according eight trillion of additional assets for itself. So its assets have risen, as you said earlier. But when you come down to the to the private banks, that eight trillion of additional reserves has come at the expense of them selling nominally eight trillion uh, uh, dollars worth of bonds to the private banks. Now the, bond, the bonds of the private uh, to, the, to the central bank. So the bonds that the uh, private banks own are one of its assets. The reserves that the accounts that has at the Central bank, another one of the assets. It's been an asset swap, so there's been no creation of money because nothing has happened on the
0: liability side of the private banking sector, and it's the liability side which is money. So where's this money being created by then? Well, this th- this from fifteen and a half to twenty one point eight trillion. Where's that come from? That's come from the treasury. Okay. Right, okay. From overspent. From uh, overspending. No, basically, no, 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 no. Well,
1: from necessary spending during a yeah, pandemic. Okay? Sure. Yeah, if you're yeah, a conspiracy but, uh, theorist, it might be overspending. <laughs> but – hey, this, so far as I checked last time we don't load the, that, that
0: lot onto the. <laughs> onto well, the okay, market. we're amongst friends here. Okay, by increased <laughs> increased spending by the government, so that's yeah. why. So, so, yeah. so the so, in other words, the the de- let's let's call, call it the, the the deficit between how much they're bringing in in tax and uh, And how much they're spending has has increased by that amount, and that's why there's more money sitting in the economy yeah. Okay. Now, so, but, but, but so that, what happens when what happens on the balance sheet at the central bank is is irrelevant in comparison to that It's just that they felt that they had to do that because i mean this is monetizing that debt isn't it they they felt like they had to do that because there was a concern about if the government was issuing so many bonds. What would be the value of their bonds if there was a perceived oversupply of them in the market? Well, but but it's it's more complicated, Matt. We haven't got through that yet because uh, that that I was
1: talking about was an operation between the central bank and the private banks. Now, the Mm. central bank also can purchase things directly from the non-financial banking sector. Yeah. They, carry, yeah. they you said they, some of the, a lot of the bonds have been bought from non from you know insurance companies from pension funds from hedge funds etc etc and yeah. there's mortgage
0: backed securities yeah okay. chunk of certainly
1: yeah. well, so some of those are owned by banks but a lot of them are owned by non banks and actually issued by non banks and they were you know, yeah. I think they were buying some original issues of, of bonds as well not just uh, on the secondary market now when that happens. Then there is an increase in the amount of money, but it's money that turns up in the financial sector in an institution which is legally obliged to buy with any money it receives, apart from paying its own staff. You know, a pittance. The poor people are starving on the streets of of uh, of Wall Street, as you would have noticed. Um, mm. um, but a, a, apart from uh, paying their staff and and, and taking profit and, and all the costs of running a financial institution. Um, these these organizations require with any money they receive to put that money into other financial assets and so it's it's the, the spending the, the, the money that's been created by uh, by banks um, ends up as excess reserves and they can't do much with it because banks are required to uh, you know to have predominantly debt assets they can't be buying um, shares and, and, and such but the, bank, the organization like pension funds and insurance companies, of course, they do buy a portfolio. So what happens with that money that's created by buying government bonds, mortgage-backed securities, blah, 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 off non-bank financial institutions is that they find themselves with more cash and less assets, more more, more cash assets and less financial assets. So that gives them an incentive to buy shares. And that's why we've seen such an inflation in the in the share market over the last uh, over since, since the global financial crisis, once they began quantitative easing, that was just pumping money in. That ultimately, when it was purchased off non bank financial institutions, either directly by the Federal Reserve doing it or indirectly by banks themselves buying uh, off those institutions, uh, buying bonds off those institutions where they're allowed to, um,
0: then you have a uh, increase in the money supply circulating in the financial markets. Right, which is obviously not good. Now they want to reverse that, but also, what about um, if they if they're bringing down their balance sheets? Because really, what I want to talk about is what is going to be the impact of pulling it, of pulling their balance sheets down? Because uh, I mean, the, these are unusual times. When they've tried, uh, I mean, just before the pandemic, they they tried to reduce their their balance sheets, and a lot of that I think was government debt. Rather, well, maybe maybe a chunk of it was these uh, non uh, non bank institutions, and that's why mm-hmm. it had an impact. But it wasn't it wasn't good. I mean, we we saw the the economy starting to suffer, and a lot of people were pointing to it and saying, "Well, actually, you know, it's the central banks trying to um, do, doing quantitative tightening. That's that, and, that's and creating it, this problem." I think it's also going. You, know, it, you know, I can't see how
1: it doesn't have an impact on financial markets because, uh, and then like the. the ho- I've got some instruction going out on the road out there. I hope it's not too noisy.
0: <laughs> I wonder what the noise was. Oh, no, That's all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're, we're the only opportunity we've got to do this podcast, so we will just have to put it over there, unfortunately. But anyway, yeah, carry okay. on. So, okay. yeah, so well, the impact, yeah, quantitative tightening, the well, impact if, of it. If, if you have um,
1: firms uh, who, who have having, having selling bonds, now having those bonds sold back to them, then to, to raise the money they have to sell other assets
0: and the other assets will include mm. shares pure and simple isn't it yeah. yeah well what about the impact then of uh, of uh, of banks with that are all of a sudden buying back government uh, sovereign debt what i mean that would have no impact whatsoever then because it, i mean they would presumably uh, unless they unless they're also investing in shares but i'm uh, i'm a bank uh, the central bank buys government bonds that i'm holding in my reserves um, I mean, what what is the impact really on that when it when it gets sold back again? Uh, I mean, the, the the difference is I had bonds, now I've got cash. Perhaps, well, here's the thing: you know, the I mean. thing
1: is, the res- excess reserves are worth nothing to the private
0: banks because, yeah. and this, this is the. Um, but why do we have liquidity issues then? Because if if I had, if I held if I had lots of bonds and they're buying it and then they give me cash, I mean, where's the liquidity? Well, the, the liquidity problem issues come if
1: people actually want the reserves themselves. I mean, if you yeah. if you have a have a bank run. Um, mm. And and then the and the banks uh, people are lining to take cash out of the bank. Then that cash is the, the reserves fall because the money's been taken out of the banking sector held right, people was, you know, under the, under the mattress. And that means they can go bankrupt because that that mean ultimately that they as their reserves as the reserves fall and the, the liabilities fall. That's not so bad, um, right. but you can get to the point where. Uh, you know, the, all the cash has been you know the bank run
0: and then bang you have a, a financial crisis on the right. hands of, but bonds but bonds or cash as you say it's just a, it's just it's, an, it's an asset it makes yeah. no difference makes no difference with well, being in, in
1: fact the banks will prefer it because they can't do anything with the reserves this is uh, the, the classic mm. thing for the excess reserves is that once they're created they can only be removed by operations that take reserves out of the banking system And there are, I think, this is Zoltan Bexley. There's there's an analyst who does far more detailed work than I do on this sort of stuff. And there's there's a couple of of international transfers between central banks, which is one reason why reserves have fallen over time. Because uh, if you're just looking purely in a a domestic orientation to these uh, accounts, then once the reserves are there, let's say the banks, so they want to get rid of the reserves, so they they, uh, buy uh, bonds off a non bank financial institution using the reserves, well, the bond bank financial institution then banks the proceeds of those sales in a bank account. So it turns mm-hmm. up somewhere else, you can't get rid of them. It's only looking at the internal circulation. And these excess reserves, and, and you can't trade them. You can't trade You can't trade reserves. It's just a it, – well, you can actually lend them out. This is where, where the unit bank market comes from. You can lend to somebody else who needs the reserves uh, for their own uh, transactional reasons, another bank needing them. Uh, but you, you can't get rid of the damn things. You certainly don't lend them out. And this is where mainstream economics led the world astray because the people running the central bank Still believe that banks lend from reserves, mm. and they can't. Okay, the yeah. only lend
0: for reserves is that if the borrower takes the money out in cash. That's the only way you can actually lend so from reason, reserves. Yeah, so the only reason reserves are there is to is to handle the interbank transfers, basically. And there's, there's far
1: well. too many of them. Yeah, they, they, they used yeah. to work with a, with a marginal. This used, used to be, you know, I've forgotten what the term they used to use, but it was just, uh, you know, the reserves were virtually near zero. Um, mm. Because that's you only need this tiny amount for the for the internal transactions. You know, Barclays gets more cash than than um, HSBC, that sort of thing. Actually, normally it's HSBC getting more cash than Barclays, but that's another story. Um, so yeah, so this this. Um, this transfer of money doesn't get rid of it. So you, you have all these excess reserves sitting there. They earn no interest. They can't be traded. Um, now, when the government says, would you like to use those excess reserves to bonds, the basic answer of banks is, yes, effing please. Uh, because you, you sell the reserves, you use the reserves to buy the bonds, your reserves go down now, your bonds go up,
0: and your bonds can be traded and, and do earn interest. So uh, it's, it, it'd be happily... But quantitative received. easing, when, when central banks come along and say, well, okay, we want to buy up all those bonds as part of our quantitative easing program, we're going to buy up uh, all those bonds that you're, you've are you got sitting there in, in reserves. Yeah, that reduces and the it, income it, of the
1: banking sector.
0: Because they're not earning the interest That's on those right. bonds. That's right. Yeah. So, so why, first of all, why would they do it? And and secondly, what is going to be the impact of reversing that? Well, I mean, it's going yeah. to help banks because all of a sudden they get that interest back. But why would they have done it in the first place? Why wouldn't they say, no thanks, we like the interest we're getting be- from because,
1: because banks are the institution of the state, Okay. Um, they are legally required to be involved in the bond in the bond market. Not all, not all of them are, have got the same requirements as others, but if you're you know, what Americans call a primary dealer, you are legally obligated to buy, uh, to, to make a bid for whatever's on offer. And then normally a, 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 in buying and selling, and actually Warren Mosler once corrected me um, on a comment I made about the banks making a profit out of it when I was doing my Minsky modelling, and he said often, he worked, speaking as somebody who was a bond trader, he said often as part of the business costs of being, the benefits from being a, a registered trader with the, with the Federal Reserve, you would occasionally get involved in transactions where you lost money. For the central bank, it's sort of part of the cost of doing business. So you don't have to say you're going to make a profit out of it. It is part of the institutional requirements of being a primary dealer to be in so, that market and and to make bids for the, for buying any issue issues issuances or trading of, of, of bonds that the central bank
0: wants to do. Right. So the reason so central bank comes along and says, right, we want to we want to buy all these bonds up a whole chunk of them, yeah. you know, trillions trillions of dollars worth of them. Uh, banks are going to say, well, hang on a second. I don't want to sell them because it's earning interest, but then they'll go, oh, but you were going to bid you such a good price, it's going to be worth your while. That's, that's in par- effect That's, world, that's
1: which... partly, but it's also, you know, stop doing it often enough and we'll take your licence away. All right, okay. Right. Can they do that? Wow, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're a legal, rec- not, not, not banking
0: licence, but licence to be a primary dealer. Right. Okay. So when this, gets, when this gets reversed back again then, because as we, you've said, it's an asset swap. Mm. So if central banks, and the vast majority... Uh, of of what they're holding i mean it, it is a mix but the, the the highest percentage obviously is is uh it is Gover- sovereign debt it's yeah. it's government bonds mm. so when they pass those back to the banking sector is it actually going to have any impact on the economy whatsoever? Though?
1: Not a lot on the banks because what will then happen is their excess reserves go down, which means that an income earning – a non-income earning asset falls. Their bonds will go up, which is an income earning asset that rises. There'll be more income turning up uh, from the interest on those bonds in the private banking sector and the private banking sector will actually have less pressure on it. Uh, so it, why did they do
0: it in the first place then? What was the reason behind it? Because, if it has because,
1: no- because mainstream economists think banks lend from reserves – this is the right. this is why having a bullshit theory um, which is still being taught in textbooks today ends up having making policy moves that are that are simply wrong and not going to work. And if you read, and I have read, the minutes of the central, the Federal Reserve after they started doing QE, they were really mystified as to why the banks weren't lending out their
0: excess reserves. They can't do it, you neoclassical morons. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is like a. I'd say this is a nine or an eight trillion dollar mistake, but it's not because actually it's not really costing anyone anything.
1: Well, it is costing in terms of the increasing inequality we've got in the world because, as I said, it is, isn't what happens
0: with the. But I mean, that, you know. that's to do with the. That's to do with corporate bonds. If we're looking at, if if central banks were not buying any corporate bonds whatsoever, all they were doing was buying up government bonds and they'd bought From eight, the private banks. From the private, from the, from the private banks, yeah. exactly. If they, if they just they did might have, They might have spent $8 trillion on that and it would make no difference to anybody. And in fact, it wouldn't be increasing... Well, it would actually, it would actually make the banking sector less well-off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay? Uh, and, and, and the banking sector would respond in various ways because you, know, you, you, you your, your asset side has got a much, much larger debt asset, an asset that's earning no return because uh, you've been sold, forced to sell... 're is largely forced to sell those assets to the uh, to use those assets sell the incoming assets you had to the central bank, which reduces the amount of money this is actually reduces the amount of money being created mm. because interest on on, on 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 government bonds when it's owned by a private bank turns up in the, in the short term equity of the private bank uh, which is one of the one of the uh, elements of the money supply so you're reducing money supply in the um, a government-created component of the
0: money supply, which is
1: the opposite of what you'd actually be trying to do.
0: Right. You're also putting up interest rates, of course, as well, which you might when, say, well, okay, higher interest rates, that might be good for banks, but on the other side, it's going to stop people borrowing, which... Well, that, that,
1: that's, would, that, that's now, that, that's, which we're talking now, then was back in 2008, 2010, when they started QE. Yeah. Now, we have got quantitative tightening, and they're doing... So, they're doing the opposite op- op- operations. So, they've got um, all these bonds on their books, they're selling the bonds back to the private banks. That means their reserves uh, uh, fall because they use the reserves to buy the bonds and the bonds rise. No change in the amount of money being created from that. But uh, you now have the banks now are owning bonds once more, private banks. So they'll get interest on that, those those bonds. There'll be slightly more income for the private banks out of the interest rates on on those bonds, and also those interest rates are rising, of course. So, uh, you know, so there's a gain for the – but there's no no great uh, – rather than like – they thought initially pumping money into the reserves of the private banks would would cause money creation, which it didn't because banks don't lend reserves. Mm. Now, the opposite direction, they're trying to reduce the amount of money out there by – Um, you know, reducing the excess reserves, they're actually slightly increasing it because they're paying interest on the bonds they've sold to the private banks.
0: Well, if their reserves had increased and they hadn't, because as you say, it's an asset swap. But I mean, perhaps this was the thinking. If you've got more money in reserves, if you're a bank and you've got more money in reserves, then you can cover lending out more money. It doesn't work you, that way, but it doesn't mean you've got more money to cover for those transfers. So I, so I borrow, just, I borrow money. You need a slug of money in case I move that money to another bank. So you've got to make sure you've got enough money in reserve for when that money gets transferred. From my account to another account, in, uh, to someone else's account in, a, in another another bank, you've got to be able to. But
1: it was, a, but it was a trivial amount of. Yeah. Uh, of you know, it, 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 it had, it had n- none of the direct impact the banks, the central yeah. banks, are expecting. That's why, it really, I think it's the two thousand and nine minutes. I think it's so uh, the, the second quarter two thousand and nine, maybe third quarter, where you start seeing the Federal Reserve discussing why quantitative easing hadn't had the impact on on lending that they thought it would have, and so why aren't they lending out these reserves? And the answer is because if you do a Minsky model your tweet, you'll find it can't be done. Right.
0: So, uh, okay, impact of uh, bringing down this balance sheet, the impact of quantitative tightening as far as uh, the banking sector is concerned with with government bonds is negligible. And as you're saying, it's actually going to make the banking sector slightly worse off because... well, slightly better uh, off. Slightly better off, <laughs> sorry, because they're going to start earning exactly because they're going to start earning interest. So, yeah, exactly. So, so it's what happens with the non-bank financial institutions? Yeah. The interest. Yeah, and that is actually the focus. So, out of all of this tightening, they're saying, "Well, okay, we're going to stop buying. We, we're going to stop renewing bonds past past maturity when it comes to mm. uh, when it comes to uh, government issuance." So, you know, no difference whatsoever, I a mean, negligible difference on all of that. Right. Uh, but right. they are saying, well, we're going to start bringing down the balance sheet on corporate bonds. So that's where we're really going to start to see the the, the impact. So what's going to happen there as they do well, that?
1: Well, the, the, if they're held by non-bank financial institutions, then to buy those bonds back – and again, I said it's an obligation pretty much to do, it, and the central bank wants to buy them to buy those bonds back. They've got to either use outstanding cash they have, and they will have some, but not a, not enough necessarily for the total purchasing. Now that reduces the money supply in the financial sector, or they sell assets they currently have, shares predominantly. Uh, and then those shares fall, and and the cash from the shares then then becomes becomes bonds instead. The cash from the sale of the shares become bond instead. But what you're now doing, you're doing the opposite of what quantitative easing actually did, and that was increased buying on financial markets by non-bank financial institutions. And so I expect it would mean the stock market tanks.
0: Right. Wh- which guess what? <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> it's starting to do. So, yeah. so I think, I, and I think they'll pull out. This is one when, when, when they start first. wrote started QE, whatever that was, about fifteen years ago. Virtually now, yeah. Um, Two thousand nine. It was. Yeah. It was. A, I said it was a pact with the devil. Yeah. Because once once you sign on the dotted line with uh, you know, me, with Mephistopheles. Uh, is, it, is it Mephistopheles who was the devil, or was it? Uh, I keep on forgetting in that particular. I don't play. mix in the circles anymore, Steve. So I don't okay. Know. Anyway, I'll, I'll check my <laughs> references before I make it in in, in writing. But anyway, the um, uh, it's, it's a deal with the devil. You signed on the dotted line. You've given him his soul. You can't go back and renegotiate terms. Mm. Now, uh, so what? Once the if the uh, central banks started doing. QE in the mistaken belief this would increase the, the money supply through private bank lending from reserves. Uh, once they started doing that, then uh, and instead, what it actually had was was uh, non bank financial institutions buying shares uh, with the money that they. The cash that they got from selling the bonds to the to the central bank, uh, then that made this buying pressure on the stock market, and and actually talk about Mark of the Devil and stuff like that. I love this particular factoid, and that is that when the central bank, the the, um, Federal Reserve began QE, uh, the the S and P five hundred bottomed out at six hundred and sixty six. Wow, that's spooky, (laughs) isn't it? They're all spooky. This would be one for the conspiracy theorists, okay? So it turns around at the mark, the, the mark of the devil. Um, that's why I call it a, a pack with the devil. Because once you've done it, you, then uh, central banks are far more affected uh, in terms of the you know who they who they they maintain company with by what happens in the financial markets and what happens on the, in the real economy. And so they've got all their share broker friends saying the market's tanking. What the fuck? What the hell are you are doing? And they get out of the. Um, Get out, get out of the stock. Uh, get out. They, they, they stopped quantitative tightening and go back to quantitative easing again.
0: So were you so think that might be what happened. But how much of it, was it, were they really doing this to to deal with the supply of money or were they doing it to try and control yields? So, uh, Which obviously is important to them. So for example, a chunk of the bonds that were purchased in those early days back in 2009, a chunk of them were mortgage-backed securities. So the rationale I'm presuming is that they were worried that If there wasn't enough demand for these, if they didn't step in, then these securities would be oversupplied. They'd see a drop in price, so the yields would go up, and that would put a pressure on interest rates. Wasn't that the real reason that they
1: were doing this? That was 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 a genuine real reason, Mm. okay? Because the idea about getting extra reserves and lending that's just textbook garbage, which is leading... So it's
0: yield control, in effect.
1: But, yeah, if you're you're adding additional buying pressure
0: to the bond market, bond prices are going to rise, therefore interest rates will fall. yeah. And so, therefore, I mean, so but if you go the other way and start start selling them, then uh, there's going to be uh, uh, too many bonds out on the open market, particularly in a in a, an economy that's not doing very well. Uh, with how, with the a, bond prices fall, interest rates yeah. rise. Yeah, which is exactly what they don't want to have happen. I would have thought.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, they so they, why they're they, doing they, it? No, they now think <laughs> they now think they should increase interest we rates. Well, so. <laughs> yeah. Because they think that they're now trying to control a runaway economy. They think to they bring inflation back under right. control. So by um, allowing so, so, yeah, bond so yields to
0: w- rise, that's allowing them to lift interest rates because they are basically rising in unison with where they're going with interest rates generally. Uh, yeah, pff, yeah. Gee. Yeah, and but I wonder if they ride right on that. That's that's the big question. So if if they find oh actually actually it's not working. This uh, pushing up interest rates because actually it seems like it's supply driven. Uh, this inflation problem, and it's and so we're going down the wrong road. Then they're going to have to completely reverse their whole approach to to bond buying again.
1: I, I think they're going to be uh, in in a in, in a particular creek uh, without a paddle, not knowing what the constituents of the peak of the, of the pond really mm. are or the. Uh, uh, so, or the creek really are. So uh, you're going to have rising interest rates, which will slow the economy, um, but not as much as they initially think, but it, it's going to hit the housing market very badly because it isn't just government debt that rose under QE. It's also a, a huge amount of increase, in, particularly in household debt. Interestingly enough, one of the most uh, affected countries being France, uh, a dramatic rise in, in, in household debt in France in the last... Uh, uh, two or three years over, over the pandemic. Uh, so what you're going to have is, uh, because there's been a huge boost to the to the property market mm. uh, under the pandemic as well, large amounts of borrowing to finance uh, house purchases and, and my whole the mortgage accelerator uh, logic that I use is well and truly being confirmed by that, that dynamic over time. But that means there'll be falling house prices and falling share prices. Now, in that situation the Federal Reserve would normally reverse direction, but at the same time they're going to see rising interest, uh, rising uh, inflation from supply chain mm. issues.
0: It's not good, is it? So, added with the, added with no. the complication that that's one country within Europe and, and Europe is very diverse. So we're seeing right now, for example, uh, bond yields in southern Europe, in, uh, in Greece and Italy, for example, shooting up. So we've got this big divide. So, for example, uh, while German 10-year bond yields... So I'm remembering, of course, that bond yields go the opposite way for bond prices. So if bond, if uh-huh. bond, bond prices tank, yields shoot up and vice versa. So German 10-year bonds have gone from minus 0.12%. At the beginning of the year, to one point five two percent. So that's a rise of one hundred and sixty-four basis points, which is quite significant. But look at Greek ten-year yields; they've gone from one point three percent positive, but they've gone up to four point four eight percent. So that's a three hundred and eight basis point rise. That is double the rise in in Germany, and that is because people in in uh, in Greece are really worried about uh, what this interest rate, these interest rate rises, are going to do to their to their economy. Well, Germany perhaps less so because they would, you know, the export based economy, and they'll always do better.
1: Yeah, well, that's the, the whole imbalances in the in the euro now turn up once more because, mm. because you know you, it is quite possible for a Greek government to go bankrupt. Yeah, it can; it might not have enough euros to pay the, the interest uh, on its on its outstanding bonds, and this
0: is the whole fallacy in designing the euro that way in the first place. So, the European Central again. Bank is saying to, to resolve this issue, they're going to look at buying uh, Greek sovereign debt. But Is that actually going to make any difference?
1: Yes, it will because this is what this is what Yanis wanted them to do. Because right. if they buy the buy the bonds, then in return you get euros for the for the Greek government, which can't create euros itself, and therefore it can finance its fiscal programs.
0: Right. So they are looking at doing that, and I think that's why, hence hence some of this the, the, this movement in yields as well, because because um, people are saying, oh, we, okay, there's going to be less demand. You know, there's going to be a, a tightening in the availability of of, uh, of Greek bonds. So maybe they're getting, maybe they're starting to get the hang of it. Then, Steve. Um,
1: well, the, the, uh, I wish they wouldn't experiment with the real machine rather. I wish they do a simulation rather than doing it in the real bloody economy. Yeah. But this is the problem. If you if you have bad, I mean, what what this is this is why I'm so you know, adamant about neoclassical economics has to go. It just has to go, uh, disappear. Go back into the you know, history books. Where that's where students should learn neoclassical economics. A history exercise, um, because uh, with with you following these these wrong policies. Uh, then you have all manner of disasters coming out of what you think is a, an accurate simulation of the of the world. So you do your simulation, you find oh yes, there are more reserves. Therefore, the banks lend more. Therefore, there's more private money in circulation. It works. Let's try it in the real world. And you you have a map of the real world, which is completely wrong. Mm. Uh, this is why I call them make economists economists they they, they actually yeah, toll make economists that's not bad i might use that in future uh but but rather being uh, toll make astronomers we have toll make economists and they believe that the earth is the center of the universe and this etc etc and then they then make policy interventions into the real world where the sun is the center of the solar system and things don't
0: work out the way they expect so where is it all going to work out we're just finishing off then so so we've we've discussed a lot in the last half hour it's been really useful because i mean you know just how much of that that uh, Uh, building up of the Federal Reserve balance sheet uh, really matters from that Mm. 0.9 trillion to 9 trillion. It's probably probably actually the supply of money that we should be a bit more concerned about, which has gone, as I say, from 15.5 trillion in February 2020 to 21.8 trillion. Uh, in March, and you think that's basically because this, because money's been issued by governments, it's probably found itself in the wrong place a lot of the time to well, pay no, but, yeah,
1: yeah, but nonetheless, it's been issued by the government as it should be. This is yeah. the government running a fiscal deficit, and which yeah. causes a private sector surplus. All the, all the accounting statements of the MMT are 100% accurate. Yeah, I have differences about uh, the employment policy and their attitude to international trade, but when it comes down to the um, to the balance sheet effects, what they call MMT is yeah. basically accounting.
0: So uh, this increase in, but now we're seeing that money supply shrink, but very slowly. So twenty one point eight trillion in March. Twenty-one point seven trillion in, in April. It's going to take years to get it back to the level, you know, to fifteen and a half trillion, which it was in February twenty twenty. But does it doesn't matter? if We've got this massive increase in the money supply. I mean, it's it's the damage has been done. If we try and shrink it, are we doing more damage?
1: Well, we're going to yeah, we're going to cause a recession. So, the, like mm. everything, uh, this you know, that, well, my expectation is going to be effectively a government-created recession coming out of this. Governments trying to tighten their so-called, fi- you know, the fiscal responsibility garbage, where they deliberately reduce the deficit, you know, in the in the sort of we'll all be ruined if we don't don't reduce the deficit type logic that they're into, which is wrong. Um, and then you have rising interest rates, which I think is going to reduce demand in the economy when it's demand not demand. as a problem as much. It's the it's the rising supply costs. So you're going to have rising inflation and rising interest rates. Hey, hey, that's, that's a return to them of this phenomenon they used to kick what they called Keynesian economics out of the basket back in 1973. But
0: here's the interesting thing, and maybe this is the point we finish on, all the focus yeah. is going to be on central banks, actually. It's like, oh, well, central banks are going to solve the inflation problem, while the government says, meanwhile, we've got to get this debt down.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and they're both going to stuff up. So I expect to, uh, you know, I think whatever government policies in place now won't last two years. Or
0: even a year. I'm just wondering what we're going to be like at the end of this year. I mean, we, are we going to see the well, I guess, you know, we're halfway through the year already, but certainly it's going to be an interesting year next year to see how it all pans out. Good to talk, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Okay, mate. Bye. Yep. And uh, next time, sort of related to this, we're going to look at the, uh, the ideas of the conspiracy theorists who say that governments around the world are trying to move us off cash so that they can uh, keep a control over what we're doing and modify our behaviour accordingly. The uh, the technocrats uh, who are taking over, this narrow band of people who are taking over the world, uh, are people who think like that totally loopy? <laughs> or is there some supporting evidence for what they're saying? Uh, we'll look at all of that next time on the Debunking Economics podcast. That's it for today. Thanks for listening.